up, y'all? Hey, folks. Welcome to this most unbelievable podcast. We are your hosts, Paul Fitzgerald. And Sherry Spiegel. You're listening to season two, our first summer season. For the next few months, we'll take a look at a thread we began last season in our Rates of Things episode. We'll take several episodes to explore how we process and experience things. First in the body. Then in the mind. And finally, and most challengingly, in the heart. We would love your feedback, so please feel welcome to leave us a comment or a question on the Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can send us an email at thepaulandsherrypod at gmail.com. Of course, you can also find all of this on our website, thismostunbelievablelife.com. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. And if you like the show, we'd appreciate your rating on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out, too. We're so glad you're joining us on this journey. And on with the show. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Paul. What's going on? What's going on? How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm, yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good? Yeah. Pretty good. Drinking a cup of tea over there, I see. Drinking a cup of tea. We see each other, although we are not in person because we are on Zoom. We are on Zoom. Thank you for pointing that out. The listeners should know that we are not in person. No, not today. We see each other occasionally. We will see each other tomorrow because tomorrow we're recording episode number three of... Faith Made Welcome. Faith Made Welcome. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, So Faith Made Welcome is, I guess, our other podcast. Yeah. You have have hosting duties on that. I do. You know, primarily so far, right? Um, Although there's been talk lately of a science series that I might hop in on. But so far it's been you. Find an excuse to have Paul Fitzgerald on there. Yeah, I, I get, I get, I have, I have mixer duty on that. You do, um, which is why. Uh, so it's been kind of funny. Right now, there are two episodes of Faith Made Welcome out as we are recording this, and it's so funny to me how people are like, "This sounds really good. It's almost like a professional did it." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah y'all professional did do it." <laughs> his, his name is Paul, and he's not the worst. Um. So yeah, Paul. your hosting duties. Your hosting duties are, are fantastic on that, by the way. It you know it's a really different experience uh, recording a podcast with like three other people where you're trying to keep a conversation going versus Paul and Sherry have banter hour. It's just a different experience. It I wouldn't say one is better is. or worse. No, it is. It is. But it's a different it experience, right? Yeah. Um. So I think it's just this one is like we let people there's a little weird voyeurism, no offense listeners, where people just kind of get to like listen in on friendship conversation. Whereas I think that one I think there's a little bit more forethought into it, in part because of what we're trying to accomplish. And I think what we're trying to accomplish is like a pretty serious conversation about faith. Um Yeah. Right. Started yeah. from, yeah, yeah. yeah, like a really progressive um, community of faith, which, um, you know, it's my community of faith, so it would need to be progressive for them to accept me. Um, <laughs> so, and vice versa, I suspect, right? I suspect vice versa as well. I think so, yeah. So it's just, I think it's a, 
I think the agenda there is a little more set. Whereas for us, we've never really had an agenda. We've just been like, and we're going to press play. Kind of play time. Yeah, it's sort of play time. Um, that is all. And, you know, even behind the mixer, the mixer duties that I do um, for that. It's like, oh, I have a responsibility here. I have to not screw this up on ours. We're just having a chat. Yeah. You know? um, and this one, it's like, wow, we have to make sure this is actually pretty good. Oh, do you get a little um, stressy over it? Um, I don't know if I get stressy. I, f- I do feel the weight of responsibility to not screw it up or to do it the best job that I can. And I feel that here, too. I mean, we're not. I mean, I, I love our podcast. I love what we do. I love the, the stuff that we put out. Um, but with us, it's like, well, if, if we screw it up, we can always just record another one. <laughs> nobody's nobody's going to be any of the wiser. Uh, <laughs> With with that one, it's like we we people are, are being piped in. You know, people are showing up. People are going out of their way, right? That well, are not just you and me to to make that a good one. Um, and I want to do my best to respect that and honor that effort that other people are putting into it as well. And that makes a that that shows up in, in, in how I approach it. I think right. It's I think it's also it's kind of a different logistical lift. Like we learned this early on. Like I. Th- the podcast is only two episodes long, but um, it's really different... on like uh, three, two, two weeks, two and a half weeks ago. <laughs> right. You're right, though. It seems like a long time ago. But with ours, I feel like we just log on, which we tend to log on with each other because, you know, we're buddies. That's what friends are for. Hmm, indeed. And then like at some point in the conversation, one of us will just be like, should we be recording this? And then all of a sudden a podcast happens. Um but this one, I think we're learning, like, most podcasts don't just, like, evolve out of the ether. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've heard um, people say, it's like, wow, your podcast is really interesting. It's like just a couple of people talking. And that's because it is just a couple of people talking. What they do, what they don't hear is the hour and a half beforehand where it's like, it's just two people talking about, I, you know, well, I went to the grocery store, I bought some, you know, tortilla chips you know <laughs> what's for dinner tonight right and we we try to do it i think uh dr spiegel where um if i mean if you have a two hour two and a half hour three hour conversation with someone there's going to be an hour of that that's the sweet spot i think we like to find the place where we hit the play button right before the sweet spot starts so when it's getting good it's like whoa 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 hang on right this is getting pretty good either shut it down or we need to hit play no, uh, no. And record one or the other you know Paul, I like to pretend like our listeners should think that we're just always this interesting. Of course we like, are. Like, we are always interesting, and we allow everyone else, like, two minutes. Like, no, we didn't just have a conversation about the weather forecast. and Right, right. So, if you're listening, thank you very much, and we are always this interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> wink, wink. And no. Paul didn't just tell me all about when it's going to rain at his house. You know, I've said this a couple of times over the last week or two to a couple of friends. You know that I love you when I talk about the weather. You know, it's, it's like the sock drawer thing. It's like, oh, he's talking about the weather. He's got nothing to say. It's like, no, that's not, you know, I, love you. I don't talk about the weather to just anyone. It's a, it's a special person who hears about my weather forecast. It's interesting because I think, um, like, I keep... I think I've said to a couple of people recently, like, Paul is my favorite weather cor- forecaster. Like, yeah. why would I look up the weather? Paul tells me what it will be every day. Um, yeah. So, 
Aw, what a special little testament of our friendship right there. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like, you know, uh, we get along so well. We're such good friends. We're such good partners in everything we do. I tell her about the weather. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like what she means. Um, yeah, Faith Made Welcome. It's on episode two. We're recording episode three tomorrow. Comes out on, uh, what are they, when do we drop that on Mondays? We drop that on Mondays. Yep. It's a podcast uh, through Community Baptist Church talking about some, uh, they're doing an activist, I say they, it's it's us, I mean, and, and them together partnered. That's a new thing for us. An activist preacher series while they're talking about some activist preachers. Um, it's going to be interesting for me to start watching Paul's pronoun usage related to Commonwealth Baptist Church move from they to us to maybe we. It's very interesting. It is interesting. It is yeah. interesting. And it's um, Yeah, so I'm running Mixer Duty on that. Sherry's hosting. Uh Robin and Marty Anderson and some guests um, are the the featured folks on that. Um, you can find that on any platform, pretty much where you get your your podcast. And I know that list is growing. So if you have a podcast platform of choice and you search for it and it doesn't show up, uh, do 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 a couple of things. One, maybe give it a couple of days as it mm-hmm. populates, or uh, let us know and we'll we'll get it. Ported over to there. Yeah, it's getting probably, out there. Probably, probably. Um, but it's, it's doing well, um, and we're happy to produce that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Produce that podcast. So Yeah, and it's a fun... It's I get to talk to cool people. I get to, uh, I think, you know, get to benefit from your, ex, you know, your lovely mixing experience, which I don't always get when I record at home. Like, I have to manage myself, which is... yeah. Right. A little more tricky. Uh, yeah, but it's a good... I, I'm really glad we're doing that. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and so it's fun to be a person in the world who says, like, so yesterday I was recording the podcast and then have to clarify which one. Yeah, which one. So um, we're pretty stoked about it. Yeah, so it's super exciting. Uh, so thanks to Commonwealth Baptist Church for giving us that opportunity. Uh, yeah. We're having a blast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you are a person of faith or interested or curious or whatever it is, and you want to in- listen to an interesting podcast that's uh, new out there, progressive podcast on faith issues, check it out. Faith Made Welcome. Yeah, absolutely. You'll hear our own uh, Sherry Spiegel mm-hmm. on that and some other folks, folks that you might not have met yet. Yeah, and also, if you are not a person of faith, you could also listen to it and just know we are not trying to make you a person of faith. We're just interested in having cool conversations. Um, so we mean the welcome part of that. So, Yeah, we got some cool plans for that, too. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. But for good stuff with that. Paul, I think you had a question for me for this episode. I did. And who are we to not satisfy our obligations? Mm-hmm. And when we say something out loud and we throw it out there to the world, we have to follow up the question uh if you uh let me say if you have not yet listened to last week's episode i would encourage you to do so i can't require that uh but um i asked a question at the end of it that i had written down that um i didn't get to mm-hmm. but it was a question that was kicking around uh with some friends of ours in a different context or maybe it was some friends of ours in the same context um but it was this dr spiegel are you ready for this question i am so ready so the question was where do you see yourself in five years and it it was brought up as uh 
seriously? Am I supposed to? I think it was brought up like in 2015. If he asked people where they're going to be in five years, nobody would have gotten that right, given all the stuff that's been going on in 2020. So, um, how do you approach that question? I guess is the question. Um, cause uh-huh. in, uh, you know, just to say it out there to make it clear to everyone, this obviously you probably know is a question that has become notorious as one that is asked in interviews and all kinds of situations. Where do you see yourself in five years? And I, I never really understood myself what the intent of the question being asked actually was. Yet uh, the question exists and it gets asked a lot, I think, still. Yeah. So, Dr. Spiegel, where do you see yourself in, in five years? I think answering this question, it's a really good thing I'm not on the job market, right? Um, because... <laughs> Honestly, it's so funny because, like, I can think about the me that has been in job interviews and the way that version of me would have answered the question versus the me that's on this call with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the me that's on this call with you would answer that question. I would prefer not to. Thanks. Like, so... I used to spend a lot of time really focused on, like, what are my goals and where do I want to be in five years? Right. And, like, really trying to be like, I am going to, like, engineer my future to such a ridiculous degree Mm -hmm. that I was never open to possibility. And a lot of the stuff that, a lot of the best stuff that has happened to me in maybe the last 15, 20 years is the stuff I never could have engineered for myself. Um, So I think at this point, if somebody were to ask me, where do I see myself in five years? I would answer, I would rather not. Yeah, that's the end of the sentence. I would rather not. Like, I don't know yet. Like, and I don't think that I actually have the creative possibility to even imagine what the best possible scenario for my life might look like. So I think what I know is that for the next five years, like I know some values that I want to hold true. I know that there are some intentions I want to make, but I do not want to have the audacity to guess where I will be in five years. Do you think that that response um, would have consequences? Like if I were in the job market? Yeah. Or um, what, what are the situations under which you've seen that question asked before? I mean, have you ever been asked that? Let's start there. Have you ever been actually asked that question? Oh, absolutely. Like I've been asked that question for, you know, the job I have now. I was asked that question, um, you know, when I took on the position I have now. And I think I was right about the answer in some ways. Like, you know, I took on the job I have now. I was hired what was that? 2007. So then five years from there is like, what, 2012. Um, mm-hmm. So I imagine in 2007, I thought that in five years, I would be midway through a PhD program. I would be teaching at my community college. I would be working on programmatic design. I would be super engaged in my academic discipline. And I would be making a difference in the field. And I think probably all those things were true in 2012. That was the year I took comps. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think a lot of times when you when I've been asked that question, 
I have given the answer that sounds right for a model of academic growth or very like corporate driven growth, right? Like when you're asked that question, what people who ask that question want to hear is that in five years, you will have been productive and worth our money. Yeah, because that's was um, ultimately that's where I was sort of thinking about taking this this line of inquiry. It's like, why do you think? Well, let's get let's get right to it. You know, let's the, the answer that our students really want to know. What is the right answer to this question? Uh-huh. You know, um, is there is there one? Um, what is the spirit under which this question is? I have a million questions about this question. What is the spirit under which this question is asked? Question. What's the right answer? Um, because I think a lot of times when when that question is asked or questions like that are asked, I think that uh, I, I immediately think, oh my God, they're looking for something specific and I don't know what the answer is going to be. They Let may be. Before, um, but before we get to that, Paul Fitzgerald, I think we should ask, where do you see yourself in five years? Ooh. And then we'll get to the right answer. Let's see how well you do. Where do you see yourself in five years, Dr. Fitzgerald? I, you know, I, I'm trying not to sit here and silent for 15 minutes while I think about it, because that does not an interesting podcast make. This is a podcast, uh, and you knew I was going to ask you this question back. Uh, if it was video, that would be easier, because I could just sit there and look uh, inquisitive. Um, I could just give, like, audio commentary to what you're doing. Like, Paul is now squirming his in his seat. Eyebrow. Um, his hands are tucked behind him in a way that demonstrates he's thinking and awkward. He's looking upward and off to the right. Um, mm-hmm. Where do I self? Um, I, I mean, it, it's it seems dumb to say I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure because I mean, who really does? And so, if any time that you've ever, any time that you've ever tried to predict where you were, I mean, pick any year of your life. You know, if you try to predict where you're going to be in five years, it's unlikely that you are able to uh, answer that with any degree of accurate specificity. Generally, maybe in the same town you're in, whatever it might be, um, whatever it might be. But specific accuracy, I think, is is, is not possible with that. True. Um, I mean, I even think if somebody had said to me a year ago, one year from now, you will be sitting in your home, quarantined, recording, oh, yeah, no way. recording a podcast with Paul Fitzgerald. I would be You'd like... You'd have laughed off the stage. You'd have been laughed off the stage. Um, that you still guy, might be laughed off the stage. That um, guy? Really? I, you know, well, the first thing that came to mind is definitely recording a podcast, you know. Um, that's something that I... Because it, it's, a, it's a medium that I love. Right. Um, and I really enjoy it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really enjoy it a lot. I, I can, I mean, I can say where I sort of want to be based on who I am now, based on what's important to me now. I also know that my my values and my wants and needs and desires change as mm-hmm. you go through time. But I'd like to think that my whatever my values are now, they are. I don't know if righteous is the right word. Right word. Um, they are. I don't know. Um, worth worth values worth having upon further reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like working with kids. I like working with people. 
you know, on on growth, development, self discovery. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to meditate, so I'll probably be doing that in five years. I've gotten a lot out of it, and I don't see that changing. Uh, I like many of the same foods that I liked five years ago, so I suspect I will continue. <laughs> I see myself eating a lot of tacos. I don't know. Um, do you see burritos in your future? Yeah, I do. I do. I see many, many burritos in my future. Okay. And tacos, although crispy shelled, not the soft okay, ones. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, I'm a man of, of, of taste. Um, is, is, well, here's a question. Is, is where the right word to start that with? Where do I see myself? I don't know. Northern Virginia. Maybe I'll move to LA. Maybe I'll move to, you know, Sri Lanka. Who knows? You know, um, is where, where do you see yourself in five years? What is, is that the question? Is, how do you interpret that word? Well, I think that's interesting in the middle of a pandemic because where feels irrelevant. Right? Like, Right now we're about to, you know, we're in welcome back week for our full-time employment Mm -hmm. uh, at a college. And although I think our employer would prefer that we be in the state of Virginia, um, you and I are both fully remote this semester. And so I've thought a lot about the fact that we could do this job from literally anywhere. We could. We could. We could. Um. And so for me, it's interesting. Every now and then I spend time thinking about real estate and being like, you know, we live in a very expensive region. So every now and then I spend a lot of time showing my husband houses in Arizona. Like, in particular, I found this house that like is begging for someone to turn it into a retreat house. And it's like... It's a drop in the bucket compared to what it would cost to buy a house here. Yeah, you yada, yada. Like, God. Right? Like, for what you could, oh, what you would buy a square foot for here, you know. The space. And, and part of me just looks at it and is like, okay, one, this would be a really nice retreat house where people could come and they could better themselves. But also there's this amazing bathtub that I could soak in for years. Right? right? right. Um, but... Part of what's really difficult for me about that where question is just how actually how geographically locked I actually feel. Oh. I love the city of Alexandria. Like, like I can't even tell you. Oh. You know, like I am invested in small businesses in this town. Um, like if you're listening and you have not supported old town books, what are you waiting for? Like best local bookseller ever, you know, like I'm very invested in my church, which is very community oriented. Like I love the city of Alexandria in a way that I've never loved a community before. So I think that is the one part that I actually feel kind of okay asking, Uh, Where do I see myself in five years? There's a good chance I will still love Alexandria, particularly Old Town Alexandria, in five years. Though I am starting to wonder why I don't own a house in the desert. 
the desert. I know. The desert. I love the desert. I, um, I love the desert. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, I don't know either. But this gets to it. I mean, I mean, I went to graduate school in Northern California, mm-hmm. um, UC Davis, go Aggies. And um, when I talk to students today, sometimes they say, where'd you go to graduate school? Is it University of California, Northern California. Oh, my God, why did you ever leave? Because they have an image of California, which is very different than the reality of, <laughs> of living in California. I mean, they're doing this again. I mean, when I was there back in the early 2000s, this is back when they were doing rolling blackouts, not because it was so hot, but because of the whole Enron thing. Yeah. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger signed my diploma, you know, and all this great stuff. And they have a very Kardashian-based view of what California is like. It's like, you know, it's not always <laughs> li- like that. You know, there's other there's other parts of it, too. Um, a friend of mine will say, and he's absolutely right, the most beautiful places I've ever seen and the ugliest places I've ever seen, they're all in California. Um, um, and he's not wrong. And... Um, Oh my God! Why'd you move to Virginia? Why don't you stay in California? It's like I, you, I mean, when when you go through your day, when you go through your life, when you go through the events in your life, you make the best decision that you can at the time. Mm-hmm. And if I was in my last year of graduate school and somebody said, "Hey, where are you going to be in five years?" Would I have said, "Teaching biology in Northern Virginia"? No, no, I wouldn't have. Not in a million years. That wouldn't have been the. That wouldn't have been the 274th thing on my list, <laughs> let alone the first, you know. Um, you know, the, the the guiding, I mean, the arc of love that sort of goes through my life is that I have absolutely no ability whatsoever to predict where I'm going to be in, in, in a week. Sherry's freaking out. Um, <laughs> That's not let, true. Let alone, let alone uh, in, in five years. Um, and with the big, with the big things, with little things, sure. Um, with little things, sure. Am I going to eat dinner tonight? Yeah, probably. You know, there's probably a ninety-nine point nine 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 percent chance that I will. Um, am I going to be living in the condo that I'm living in in six months? Sure, of course I am. You know, I have no knock on every piece of wood you can find. You know, uh, reason to think that I that I won't. What am I going to do in five years? I don't know. What is anybody doing five years? Um, I suspect that I was not going to be living in the city of Davis in five years when I was in the last year of my uh, of my of my PhD program, but I had no idea where my destination was actually going to be. Um, and it, it could have been California. I certainly didn't think that it was going to be Virginia. Yet, no one expects Virginia. Yet here I am, the old Dominion, and um, so if somebody would, what do you see? Oh no. No worries. So, so I think maybe it's a little context dependent on, yeah. on whether, I mean, because I think maybe you do see some stages of your life that you might be in being a little more transitional than, than others. And in graduate school, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get a job at the place where you're going to graduate school the majority of the time. Right. Um, and University of California does not hire its own. Right. Period. They just don't. Um, and a lot of places don't. Yeah. For, for good reason. For good reason. Um, so I knew I was not going to be working at the University of California, and I was not going to be living in Davis. So I was going to end up somewhere. Right. But where, you know, you have a better sense of where you're not going to be, I think, than you than you have a sense of where you are. Which brings me back to this. Is where the question that they really it's, want to know the answer to? Yeah, I mean, that's, I think it's what, fair. What, what, 
Well, I mean, so the question isn't about where. Like, I think the question... When the question... What do they mean? What do they mean when they say where? Yeah, it's more about progress, right? Like, so the where question... I mean, it is interesting. I will say one other thing about just geographics. Like, um, I've spent my whole life in Virginia. Like, mm-hmm. um, I grew up in Tidewater. I went to school in Blacksburg. But most, I would say a good number of people from my home community, like even if you went away to college, which not everybody did, a lot of people stayed in the home community, you went back. Like that, that's, that's the yeah. ethos of my home community. Um, yeah. So when I finished my degree at Virginia Tech, like a lot of my friends from high school were like, well, when are you coming home? Um And so my husband and I, when we moved up to Northern Virginia, first of all, I hated the idea of moving to Northern Virginia because I had met Northern Virginia kids at Virginia Tech and I thought they were terrible. Um, So when Eric wanted to come here for graduate school, I was like, okay, dude, like, if this is what you want, I love you. Two years. I give you two years. Uh, So we moved here for two years. And we have been here 14. It's a long two years. It's a long two years. Um, So I think somewhere in the course of those two years turned 14, I mean, this place became home um, to where I think envisioning a where that isn't here is actually more challenging. Um, But I think it's because... I come from a community that's very place loyal. Um, So when I hear the question, where do you hear, where do you see yourself in five years? I think I lead with a sense of place loyalty when I answer that question. So I feel like, I feel there's an obligation to be vested in a community um, before I start thinking about my personal goals for growth. Which is very interesting because I don't think like mm. you've lived more than just in one state, so I I've wonder. Lived in three. Yeah. They're the same latitude, right? Same latitude, yeah. Yeah, so you have latitude loyalty to within to within like five degrees. Yeah, it's so fascinating. If not less, if not less, it's like to within three degrees. So what degrees. what other states could you move to without? <laughs> Without breaking your latitude. So that's how you could answer the question. Uh, the, yeah, the, the interesting ones. I've, I've checked most of the boxes on the interesting ones, but I probably shouldn't say that on the podcast. Uh, Denver is close. Denver is close to the same latitude, I guess. Good to um, know. I, could, I could do that. Kansas City, Denver. Mm-hmm. Reno. Okay, okay. Every now and then I think about like Timo. <laughs> if Timo. Which, by the way, is this most unbelievable life. If Timul had a headquarters that wasn't in Virginia, where would it be? Obviously, it must w- remain within the Paul latitude. The lat- acceptable latitude or latitude mm-hmm. bounds. Okay, so we've got Reno. We've got Reno, Denver. Denver. Okay, good Sacramento, to know. Sacramento, Bay Area, California. Okay. We could do worse. Virginia, we could do worse. Northern Virginia. Yeah. Blackwater, West Virginia. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of stuff between here and there. Yeah, I guess I could do that. You know, look at the 
maximum latitudinal spread on where I've lived and kind of run a band and see what cities fall within. That should be your your go-to answer for the question. Where do I see myself at this degree of latitude? (laughs) 43 degrees. 43. North. (laughs) That's me. Whatever it is. Yeah, I'll have to to verify that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, interestingly, I mean, I'm I'm the one having this conversation. Uh, When we moved to Northern Virginia, um, it wasn't because of my job that that did it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my wife. You know, she got. We we did this thing about who is the best job offer first wins, yep. and uh, she got the best job offer, and uh, I was hired where I was quick in, in short order. In short order. Mm-hmm. Um, within that, and I've been there ever since. This is her third job, and she 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 shuttled around a little bit. So when we moved out here, it wasn't even for me, right? It was it was for her, and she's moved around. Same. To a couple of jobs, and I'm still in the same place same. that I was, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we moved here because Eric went to Georgetown, uh, not Georgetown, George Washington for his GW. master's yeah. in forensic science. Um, he worked for the FBI for a little bit. He worked for a police department for a little bit. And then he cho- changed careers like three times. But... It has never occurred to us since I got the job at Nova to ever move. Um, Because I think I also, you know, when you come from a line of sort of working class folk, you don't get a state job and leave it. Right? You don't. So I have a state job with state benefits and a state retirement, a state pension plan. What do you mean, where do I see myself in five years? I see myself continuing to work towards the pension pool. Yeah, and I got to be honest, those are pretty good pennies. You know, they're pretty good pennies. Um, yet, we still think about that. Where do we see ourselves in, in five years? Um well, I don't know how else. I don't know how else you could ask the question. If I mean, if there was another way to ask it, what would the other? What would what would a different question be that would serve a, maybe a better purpose or an alternative one that's as as informative? Well, I think part of the part of the question needs a qualifier, right? Like, so you ask somebody, "Where do you see yourself in five years?" and they start to answer the question, talking about their state job and their state benefits, and then you say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." What I mean is a person, because you are more than what you do for a living. What if we ask the question, like, because that's the problem, right? We only ask this question of people in job interviews. Like, when's the last time you sat down with a friend over beers and you just said to your friend, hey, where do you see yourself in five years? You're buying something at, at, at Safeway and you're checking out and you say, hey, man, just curious. Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, like why not? I mean, even like with your partner, right? Like, how often do we ask the people we love most? Where do you see yourself in five years? We don't ask this question. What does this question do? Why do we? Well, the only time it ever comes up, the only time it ever comes up is when somebody wants to offer us money to do something for them. You Mm -hmm. know, Um, which does speak to the return on investment. Yeah, uh, part of it that you that you said. Um. And that's informative of itself that it's it's not a question that is asked of ourselves in any other context, right? Than a, a one of, of of employment somewhere. But I mean, if if either one of us, I mean, you could talk to to your husband. I could talk to Shona, and it's like, hey, where do you see yourself in five years? They'd probably look at us weird if we asked. 
Well, I mean, Eric has put up with me (laughs) for 20 years, right? So if I asked him this question, he would be like, oh, another weird question with Sherry. Right? Yeah, well, I met Shauna when I was 18. I mean, we were in the same development class. Oh, you were? As as undergraduates. Comparatively, you were so old when you... I met Eric I at fourteen. Yeah, that was yeah. You met her. You met you met him young. I don't, um, I don't think I realized you were eighteen when you met Shauna. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and had we asked, so where do you see yourself? in? let me do the math really quick. Thirty years. Um, no way. Married to this guy. You <laughs> she know, wouldn't have like, said no, married to Paul no Fitzgerald. Way. Yeah, there's no way. Um, any more than you would say you would have a podcast. Um, so it's. Uh, our ability to predict where lives are going to go, I think, is is um, is is difficult, and I think yet in many ways I still feel like the same person I was when I was. I think at the, at the core, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a better person now than I was. I make better decisions. I think um, I'm a kinder person than I was. Um, my sense of what I enjoy, what makes me happy, what I value is, is certainly more clear. Mm-hmm. But I woke up every day still feeling like me. And um, yet my ability to know how, where I am right now is going to f- continue to develop and mush and, and bend and... I don't know what the right word is, be molded into into whatever comes after this is unknown, is unknown to me. It is unknown. So it kind of, so I kind of have a question. Why are we so interested in predicting the future? I think, I mean, some of that answer might be you're going to get science, Paul. Um, so that it might be biological. Go on. I think, discom- you know, there's discomfort in insecurity. I think se- security is comforting. Not just for, yeah, yeah, I like to think about, I like to think I know what's going on. I think I, my life is stable and secure enough that I'm able to predict what's going to happen. If not a couple minutes out, a couple of days out at best, if not longer. Um, you know, I mean, there's neurochemistry going on here. You know, dopamine is released when when we have a sense of security and comfort, and uh, you feel good when you think you know uh, that you're not your life is not going to be at risk anytime in the near future. And then you sleep better, and you can make better decisions, and you can blah blah blah, kind of down the down the line a little bit with it. Um, I don't know if security is comforting. I think insecurity is uncomfortable. And Mm, mm -hmm. I think we get an inappropriate amount of security out of trying to predict. And when I say inappropriate, I mean the likelihood that what you think is going to happen is actually going to happen is low. Um, Or not nearly to the degree of specificity. That you're envisioning it in your in your mind, because I mean, when you think about, hey, what's it going to be like tomorrow? I can put color, texture. I'm going to tell you all the people I'm going to talk to. I'm going to tell you what the drive is going to be like. I'm going to talk, and it's like none of that's going to be even close to being <laughs> the way that it actually goes, probably. But unless it unless it does, 
but just, I mean, we do spend a lot of our time trying to think about what, what's going to happen in the near and long term. I mean, we have pensions, for Christ's sakes, which um, Im- implies that we're actually going to be alive in mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20 years, however long it's going to be. We, we have medical insurance because we think we're going we're gonna to need it. We mm-hmm. have homeowner's insurance because two, two reasons. One, you're required to buy law if you own a home. And uh, because you know, something, because we live in a universe where bad things happen to good people and something bad might happen to your house and we want you to be safe and it's better to pay a little now than bankrupt right. yourself later. I mean, how much of our time and energy goes in trying to ensure some aspect of the future that is unknowable. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like we're we're sort of obsessed with the idea of security. But how much security is actually secure? Like, you know, it's interesting. I was in this conversation with my therapist. I go to therapy. I think everyone should. It's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right? So I'm in this conversation with my therapist and we're talking about different parts of my life. And we're talking about two specific things in my life that are very stable. And she's like, you have security in this. Why would you ever risk these elements of security? And I'm like, because isn't life more than security? Like, isn't it? If the 50s taught us nothing, it's that the model of a life that is successful does not lead towards happiness. Yeah. Bliss and comfort and satisfaction and... Yeah, it's like whenever people talk about security, all I think of, like, is tiny little boxes. Like... You know, the song. Like, I mean. So it's like, just watch Mad Men, you know. <laughs> a house in the suburbs, mowing the lawn, you know, got a nice polo shirt on and some slacks. Uh, it's like, oh, God. Yeah, I mean. It, feels like, it looks like dying to me. It looks like dying. There's something very Stepford Wife about it. Like, um, I don't remember ever as a kid, like, right before you understand economics as a kid, right? Do you ever remember, like, as a kid being like, oh, my God, when I grow up, I really hope I'm financially stable. Yeah. Right? Like, I really do hope I have security. This is right up there with what you said before. It's like, uh, and I I talked to to someone about this who um, was trying to make it. uh, some pretty interesting big decisions about the way their life is going to go a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like at, at your funeral what do you want them to say about you it's like wow they're really good at responding to email if that's <laughs> and if, if that's how you're known it's like wow they really had a level head on them and they really made clear decisions based on logic and reason in a very predictable way it's like god if somebody said that about me at my funeral I'd want a refund on it I feel like right. I screwed something up I feel like it screwed something up Yeah, you know and that's just me. And other people may feel differently about that. Um, what if that was the question? Instead of where do you see yourself in five years? What if the question was, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? What do you want your legacy to be? How would you answer that question, Paul? Boy, like really? How do I? How would I answer that today? Yeah. How would you answer? Boom, boom, uh, boom. Kind, 
kind. He was kind. Uh, helpful. Gave more than he took. I have no idea if any of this is true. I'm just saying whatever. So far, I think Paul's doing pretty well on uh, his legacy goals. But I might be um, a biased observer. Valued valued his own interests to the point where he was not always great at replying to email <laughs> in a timely way. Paul was so present with the people he was with that sometimes he neglected to respond neglected to emails. Email, yeah. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, there, there are ways to for us to sort of quantify our lives in ways that look like productivity. We talked about this in a previous podcast. I don't know which one. They look like success, but but are they? It's like, how many email accounts do you have access to mm-hmm. right now? It's like, if the number is greater than 10, it's like, my God, what are you doing? Um, right. And some people may, and then great, you know, but, you know, there becomes an exhaustion factor eventually in, in some, how many things you can do at once. I think, and how you prioritize your time. How many people, um, well, we did the what's for dinner yeah, yeah. project, right? Um, we did we did that. Uh, what did you what, learn what, from that what's project? For dinner? Yeah, we never did a postmortem on that, did we, Sherry? Um, we did not. I wasn't that, sure when you'd be ready to talk about it. So Yeah, I think I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I learned a lot from it. Um, I learned a lot of what uh, my friends are having for dinner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not nearly as exciting as you thought. Paul, I tell you what I'm you having know? for dinner all the time and you pretend to be interested. Are you telling me you're not oh, excited? You're always by having my... fascinating. You're always having fascinating. It's everybody else I'm talking about. Okay, um, good. Whew, goodness. But it's like it's the same stuff that everybody else eats. You know, people are not doing this exotic stuff like you think they are. It's like, I don't know, leftover. Well, I almost said left mac and cheese. If you do, if you have left mac and cheese, you're, you're doing, doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, I sent you a picture of my rice and beans last night, and I thought they were delicious looking. Yeah, they looked great. They looked great. But that's it. I mean, people people eat food. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people eat food. And um, they eat at a variety of times. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes they ask you uh, what you're going to eat as well. Mm-hmm. That's nice. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um for the most part, people responded without batting an eye, though. Mm-hmm. You know, people didn't think I was wearing. Why are you asking? What are you talking about? You know, it's like, they're like, cool pasta. What about you? Like, nice, nice. Um, so it was it was interesting to see that that um, the I mean, what what questions you ask your your friends who are the the true ones who walk this path with you, they're as willing to answer. What's for dinner as they are, uh, hey, um, this thing is hard for me right now. Can you help me talk? Can you help talk me through it? Um, it's like friend, friends are there for you, the, the true ones, no matter what you sort of ask. And I think that's a lesson that I learned in that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people eat pasta. But I think I knew that. Yeah, you know, I posted about this on Facebook. And I think it's a different experiment what kind of answers you get on Facebook. Um. A lot of my friends on Facebook had pizza. Uh, There was one mutual friend of ours who I don't think listens to the podcast. But if she does, hey, Daphna. Um, But she was like the only one that was like, what are you two up to? Yeah, she called us. She was was on to us pretty quick. Because we both asked. Um, Just for the podcast, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) 
think she actually called it out. It's like this is for the podcast. You too, and your uh, antics. Maybe. Um, maybe but I ended up not. I didn't do the whole texting people, but you did. I did, yeah. Um, but it is an interesting thing. Like, just the idea of, like, I don't know. I think that there is, I think there's some beauty in being interested in the mundane details. Yeah, you, that's what life. you said. Yeah, yeah, you were saying that before. Could you explain that? I don't know. I mean, I feel like. I think that there is a core set of people that are just, I mean, I love everybody, right? Like, um, I am probably friendly with people to a fault. Um, I, every time I talk to a human being, though, I think I fail a lot of the time, I try to make them feel uh, like I value them as a human and I'm really excited that they're alive. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's part of my value system. But the number of people that I can fully, like, really care about every single thing about their life is pretty small, right? Like, and I think that's true yeah. for everybody, right? I think it is, too. I think it is, too. It's like, I don't think you're saying anything that most people probably are not in their heads to right now. Yeah. And so I think one of the things that, like, becomes a hallmark of, like, understanding that I like really care about somebody is when I care about the mundane details of their lives. Um, Like the number of people who I will notice like, man, I have not talked to this human all day. I wonder what they're doing. Um, Like the very reaching a kind of intimacy with intimacy with a human where you give a crap what they're doing at 2.30 on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It's something different, right? Um, so I think it just kind of signals a kind of investment. Like, um, you know, I just, I don't know. And that's interesting to me. In part, I don't know. <laughs> I was about to be like, in part because, and I'm like, I don't actually know why I find that so interesting. But I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I'm getting a little better at not feeling like I should be available and invested in every person at that same level. Yeah. To where I can tell these are the, these are the five to eight humans who I have the bandwidth to care. Hey, Paul, what's for dinner? Yeah. Paul is on the short list in case anyone wishes to know. Yeah, and I don't know what's going to have for dinner tonight. That decision is yet to be made, so we'll see. I did we'll text, you know, it's welcome back week at our employer, and so I texted mm-hmm. uh, my husband earlier today, and I was like, you know it's a comfort food night, right? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> and like he... If there's a taco to be had between where you are and where home is, you better be bringing it home. Right. Like, I don't even know. Like, there's certain kinds of things, like, I don't know. Tonight, well, I, I'm not sure what comfort food will mean. Uh, but, like, Eric will know because that's kind of his job. Like, there's certain kinds of things. Yeah, like, right. What right, comfort right. M- food needs for Sherry is going to either mean some sort of 
ridiculous mac and cheese or there are about like let's say 17 days in a calendar year where i will want to eat bloody steak like as a human i don't eat a lot of meat and i don't desire a lot of meat but eric could eat a bloody he's a carnivore right you said he yeah through and through um, and so I think a lot of times he knows, like, oh, this is a day where I could feed her very raw animal and she would be happy. So he'll take right, advantage right. of that. Um, yeah. And he's, yeah. you know, when I started dating my husband, um, I was actually totally vegetarian. I've been vegetarian multiple points in my life. And every time that I've stopped being vegetarian, it's been because of the way spiegel men can cook steak mm. Mm. it's just a thing yeah just a mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. so uh how would you rate your rate is not a, maybe not the best way to say it how would you evaluate your ability to predict where you are gonna be <laughs> so, ah a... <sighs> um like, if somebody asked you that question today, there's this urge to answer it in the way that you think they would want to, because, like, oh, I better answer this right, or whatever it is. Or do you let it rip? And what does letting it rip look like for you? It's like, you know what? I'm letting it rip. I'm pulling the pin. I'm just going to answer this honestly and see what happens. Well, I mean, I have three degrees in English. I can tell a good story. Right? Like, I mean... I can tell a version of where I think I'll be in five years. I think I've told versions of where I'll be in five years that sound a lot like where I am. Um, I don't know. I Maybe I'm sidestepping your question. Um, I think... I think in a lot of ways I've made a lot of predictable moves. Um, but I think I'm sitting at a place now where I'm like... I don't know if the predictable, good interview answer is where I want to be in five years. Does that make sense? Is this the shoulds versus the coulds? I should do this, but I could do this. It's the... So some of the... Some of the best things in my life right now are the things I would not have predicted five years ago. So if I believe that to be true, part of me doesn't want to put blinders on. Like why aim so low as to think of them, to aim for the mundane things I can envision right now. I want a stable job in mental management. Right? Like, come on. Weekends off, two weeks of vacation a year. Right? Like, pension yeah like i know the kid that i was right like the kind of kid that would sit in her house and like record herself talking like introducing songs on the radio yeah 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 right look at you now look at you now right but like i would never have admitted that that person existed and then but that same person would be super excited to have a podcast now. Yeah, even though totally. that kid had no idea what a podcast was. Sure. 
because it was the early 90s. Um, so I don't know. I um, Like, this is the thing that I always talk to my students about. Like, they get very anxious about, okay, I'm going to major in this, and then I'm going to go to grad school for this, and then right. I'm going to get a job that looks like this. And I always want to point out to them, you don't know what kind of jobs are going to exist in five years. Why would you plan your life out with that kind of specificity? Yeah, you're trying to get a job that existed five years ago. You're trying to get a five-year-old job at that point. Right? Like, I mean, like, I'm going to get a job at a printing press. Right? (laughs) Maybe the whole question just, you know, imposes upon the universe. Yeah, right. Um, The whole whole question imposes on the universe um, a false degree of stasis. That, you know, the universe and the world that we live in and society and culture and everything is now, as of this moment, not going to change for the next five years. So based on what you see available to you today as an option, which of those would you prefer? Is that the question? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, when did we start predicting the future? Like, why are we, why do we think we're good at this? It's The other day when I was talking to my therapist, she was like, are you have you ever felt like you're good at mind reading? And I'm like, uh, no. And she's like, then why do you work on it so hard? Yeah, right? right? Like when, why do we think we're good at predicting the future? We're not. What if we gave up trying to predict the future and started asking instead of where do you see yourself in five years? What if we asked, who do you want to be every day when you wake up? Mm-hmm. To me, that's a much more interesting question. Yeah, by far. And a practical one. A practical one because it's something you can actually do something about today. Yeah. You know, if I want to, if I see myself in five years, what am I going to do? Right? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to decide, if, I'm going to figure out everything I need to do between now and then to do that. I'm going to initiate some grand plan to make that happen. I mean, what am I going to do at, what is it, 6.30 in the p.m. right now, right? Give or take on the East Coast. Um, right. Good evening, everyone. Uh, who do I want to be? You know, what what do I want to have important to me? Um, what kind of person do I want to be at 8.15? Mm-hmm. Because I can do something about that. Well, and I think that... I can do, I can do something about that. You can. You know, five years from now, it's like, I can... I have some ideas about what sort of mechanistic things I would have to do in order to get to where I want to be. Right. But I don't know who I'm going to be in five years. Well, and I think the other part of that is any institution or representative of an institution asking that question, where do you see yourself in five years? They actually don't know what the institution will look like in five years. Right. You know, I've chaired a lot of hiring committees. I've served on a lot of hiring committees. And you make decisions for who the institution is that day but you don't know who the institution will be in five years right like whoever we hired at our employer five years ago did we know we were we were hiring people that would be able to teach in a pandemic no and and several of those people are no longer at the institution that they (laughs) that they were hired at you know and if they would have said well not here. I'm going to be somewhere else. It's like, okay, would, would we have hired that person? Right. Probably not. You know, probably not because that's not part of the answer set. 
right, that but- we that we sort of look forward to, but it would it would have been the truth at the time. Yeah, and that's not to say that it wasn't a good hire. The many of the people who rehired five years ago who were no longer there did amazing work and had great interactions with kids and taught a lot of kids a lot of great stuff at the time that they were there. That is not there anymore. They they moved on to something else, and, and that's that's awesome. And I, I wish them well, and I hope they're happy. But that doesn't even mean that it was a bad hire. It was yeah. a hire that was needed at the time, which makes it a question that is suspect in whether or not it has value. Right. As in and of itself, how it's presented, as it's presented. Um, who do you want to, you know, what, what are you working on now that you want to, that you really think you want to make progress on in five years from now? Um, yeah. But you don't need five years for that. Well. Next week is fine. Yeah, I mean, I think this has to do with the difference between the individual and the institution in a lot of ways. Like, you know, like, not to jump too into philosophy, but, like, you know, Desarto will talk about the fact that there's a difference between strategy and tactic. And it has to do with the fact that institutions are strategic. They have the vision, right? They know who, like, institutions have to know who they want to be in five years, because institutions want to survive, right? But individuals or anyone without power has to be tactical because they don't, pre- you know, they're always working to, to fight for their survival. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, like, you know, I used to always think that I needed a personal vision statement. Like, I was always working for that. And I've never been able to write one. Um and I've always thought of this as like some sort of moral failing. Like, I don't know what my personal vision statement is. And I know people that can rattle it off and they sound like, you know, they sound like McDonald's to me. Like, I'm loving yeah. it. Like, I, yeah. I, I've just, and some I don't. Sound bites, some sound bikes kind of copied and pasted and hobbled together. Yeah. And no shame to anybody who has a personal value statement. Like, God, I wish I could, but. I just have never been able to boil it down. And maybe that's why I can't answer. I mean, I can spin an answer for the sake of an interview. (laughs) But like, who do I want to be in five years? I'm not sure who I want to be in December. Yeah. I don't want to be the person I am now. And December's coming up. Yeah. But think of like, if you had asked me in March who I wanted to be on what is this august 18th 18th i would have sold myself short yeah and i don't know who it was that said that that um you can do more than you think in a year but less than you can do in a day i think it it, it sounds better if you flip it around right uh less you'll do less than you think you can do in a day but more than you think you can do in a year well it's kind of like I think Gretchen Rubin says, uh, what is it? The the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah. And I think that's true. Um, yeah. I, um, I don't know. Every now and then I think about like, I think about this 10-year-old kid dancing around in the bedroom of my childhood home. And, like, I wonder what that kid would have thought of who I am today. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she would recognize me. 
Um, I don't think she could have planned for it. Like, she didn't have the capacity to understand so much of what has gone on, so much of what I've seen, so much of what I've experienced. Um, so I don't know. This future casting is a very weird, fun, like, obsession we have. It is. It is. Um, where does it happen? Is it your head? Is it your heart? Is it your body? Where do you future cast from? Is it a head thing for you? I think for me, I, think it's, it is. I mean, it might because my head just tries to spin it out. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think my I don't think it's a heart. I don't think it's a head thing for me. I mean, my head is like, well, I am in the this retirement plan, and based upon this retirement plan, I will be this many years further towards retirement and collecting a pension. Blah blah blah. Um, but I don't think that's where I dwell. I think it's, it might be a heart thing for me. And I think, I think that's where I don't maybe answer the question with the where. Like, I'm not asking, am I in, am I in Alexandria in five years? I don't think when I ask the question of where do you see yourself in five years, I'm never asking where am I. I think I'm always asking who am I. Yeah. So if you were in a job interview and somebody asked you that, you said, well, Fairfax, Virginia, of course. Yeah. What obviously. else do you want to know? Yeah. What, what, obviously. <laughs> I wonder if that wouldn't bode well for your future employment with the person who's asking. Probably not. But. Well, and isn't it funny? Like we don't ask isn't that a sign that we don't ask the question we actually want to know? We don't. We don't ask the question we actually really want to know. So when, when you hear that, you know, what, is, what do you really want to know? What do you really want to know? Just say what you mean. Yeah. Just ask, tell me, ask me what you really want to know. It's, I it's like, it's, I said, you know, is where, where do you see yourself in five years? That's obviously, I, I set it up as a conversation, but it's obviously not the actual question. It's never been about where. You know. I mean, I think you have long said to me that tests don't tell you what you want to know. And I think that right, is an excellent right. example of a test question right, right. that doesn't tell us what we want to know. Like, right. so what are we really asking? I mean, the cynical version of me is like, we're asking for loyalty. We're asking for mm-hmm. productivity. Mm-hmm. We're asking for compliance. If you see yourself where... I hope that you see yourself in five years. That means for the next five years, you'll be working in a productive way that's going to achieve that that result. And you'll do your, you'll show up to class on time, you'll teach your students, and you'll submit grades, and you'll <laughs> do all those things so you can achieve that. You'll be a productive bee in the hive, right? So like, to speak. what if we answered this question? Well, in five years, I would like to be a person with work-life balance who understands boundaries who does not work beyond my contractual limit and who has a thriving life beyond my employer. Yeah. I don't respond to email after five or on weekends. Uh, I respect personal boundaries. Uh, I expect you to do the same. Yeah. I have a rich personal life that has made me happy. I find joy in everyday things. That's not the answer they want. No. Uh, the answer I want. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's the answer I want too. So, what is the answer? 
listener that you want. Um, have you ever been asked that question? Do you remember what you said? Uh, and where do you see yourself in five years? I mean, I'm asking the listeners a lot of questions here. Where do you see yourself in five years? And um, what do you think would be a better question for that? Um, and how do you want to answer it for yourself outside yeah. of expectation? Yeah. How do you see? How do you see yourself? I don't even know how that. I don't even know what a better version is. What who, is a better version? Who do you want to be in five years? What are you working on? What are you working on right now? What are you working on? Yeah. What's going to be bringing you joy in five years? Yeah. All that. I hope it's this podcast, Paul. I hope it is too, Sherry. Um, For our listeners. You know, I I did not, when I came up with this question, I shouldn't say I came up, other people came up with this question. um, And I I thought it was fascinating, which is why I sort of spun it into a whole thing. I did not intend to spin it into a a whole podcast, but, you know, clearly it is. Uh, What is a question... (laughs) I wonder what other kind of questions would be ones that that would be asked. Not that this is just going to be a thing where we ask questions, but um, I'm glad I asked that. I'm glad we had an opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, we'll do Uh, a whole set of interview questions. I don't really mean that. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, like, (laughs) what are your strengths and weaknesses, Paul Fitzgerald? Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. Um. Yeah, yeah. What is the question that you ask yourself? You know, one of the last things I'll say on this subject, one of my favorite versions of that question that we asked for a while uh, in hiring within my department was, and I don't remember how we worded it exactly, but it was something that, I don't know, speaks more to who I kind of want to be, I guess. But it was a version of the question that said, say you get this job. In five years' time, what's the work that you're doing that you are mm. most proud of? That's a good one. That's a different question. That's a different question. Yeah, like, wh- what are you excited about in this job in five years? Totally oh. different question. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Awesome. So, maybe the question isn't bad. Maybe it's how we're spinning it. It's just the where that gets me. It is the where because there's no where in that question. There's no where in the question. Yeah. Yeah. Kick the where out. I like it. Kick the where mm-hmm. out. Cool. Or you could just say, do you see yourself in five years? Yeah. And just dump the where. Well, Paul, where do you see yourself in one week? Do you see yourself oh, recording boy. another podcast? I don't even know. I do. I do. Um, based on history. Good. Uh, we do a pretty we do a pretty good job on the on Tuesdays. I think that's what matters most to our listeners. Everything else is negotiable. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty consistent. Um, classes will have started by then. Indeed, yeah, we don't know if the next time we record, it may not be a Tuesday. Yeah, it might not. Yeah, our schedules are. Uh, changing up a little bit here, so we'll see. But uh, we got a couple. We're a couple of weeks out, so the listener, thank you so much uh, mm-hmm. for listening. We'll probably not see too much of a 
I can't imagine. You know, there were not going to see a difference in the release date or anything like that. Podcast Tuesday remains as such. Mm-hmm. Recording remains as such. could switch, but release will be a Tuesday thing. Yeah, it's podcast release Tuesday is what we're going to do. So we'll we'll figure that out, um, and I, I trust we'll do a good job. I think so. It's going to be great. Cool. And we're coming up on the end of summer. Autumn is almost upon us. True. So uh, we we pitched a, a fancy idea. I don't know, eight or nine weeks ago, I guess, about our, our summer summer season. Mm-hmm. It's just about wrapping up. It's true. And this episode will come out on September 1st. Is that right, Paul? Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is the same day that we will release our first newsletter from This Most Unbelievable right. Life. Is there anything interesting that people might have learned from the newsletter today? Um, we have a couple of things coming up. Uh-huh. We've got a couple of things coming up. Sherry has finished the uh, workshop that she was doing the artist way. That was 12 weeks. Um, and we had some troopers in there. Yeah. That did the, did the whole 12 weeks um, of exp- this book, The Artist Way. Um, and we, we went through that week by week. And it mm-hmm. was great. And I met a lot of new friends. Mm-hmm. And pretty excited about that. Uh, on, uh, in September, we, Sherry, we, Sherry, Sherry, <laughs> Sherry is, uh, offering the next of her workshops. Um, uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Or do you want to? Yeah. So we'll do another book group. Uh, this one will not be 12 weeks. It'll be five week, yeah. just a mere five weeks, but we are looking at a 28 day daily sort of book, uh, engagement. Uh, through the book Me and White Supremacy. Uh, so Paul and I will both be on the journey, uh, but I'll be facilitating some conversation about it. So we'll do five weeks checking in on Zoom uh, where we're going to bring some folks together with intentional work, asking uh, ourselves about our sort of place and responsibility within the understanding of white supremacy, white privilege, Um it's time to tackle some issues. And I think a lot of people have been talking about it. Um, but we're going to take some space in September and start doing some work. Um, yeah. yeah. And by the time this comes out, that'll be on the shared spaces part of the website. Indeed. I suspect to sign up for that. Indeed, it will. Um, and go ahead. Uh, and we're going to we're gonna limit that first group to uh, 10, just so the conversation can still be meaningful. Uh, so if you happen to be listening and you go onto the website and you try to sign up and it's already full, uh, don't worry. I think we'll do it again. Stay tuned. Um, yeah, stay tuned. So there's always time. Uh, Paul, I seem to recall that you are also going to do uh, some mindfulness work with our listeners. I am. So in the middle of September, uh, this has not been posted yet. Well, it probably will be by the time this comes out. Mm-hmm. I hope it will be by the time this comes out. I'm going to do a uh, Vipassana 101, right? Introduction to Mindfulness Meditation. Uh, it's going to be a five-week uh, intro and uh, four weeks after that. There's going to be some readings. There's going to be some uh, time together as a group. There's going to be uh, some homework and some practice. All kinds of good stuff that's going to get tied into that. Um, I think I know what dates it's going to be on. Uh, look to the middle of September for a start date for that. Mm-hmm. And you can look out on the shared spaces uh, when that is launched there as well. And we'll post all that on Instagram and Facebook. It's essentially um, going to be a walkthrough of the four different aspects of, of mindfulness. Yeah. Mindfulness of thought, mindfulness of body. Um, 
and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a good one. So if you have not had uh, any experience in meditation in the mindfulness tradition, this was an excellent way to come on board with it for mm-hmm. anybody for people who know absolutely nothing about it and just might be thinking about it. Where not only will you get a good uh, classic foundation in it, but you also get um, some group meetings once a week for five weeks where we can sit and talk about it and do a little practice and do a little Q&A and, and have a conversation about it. Um, or um, if you've been meditating for a while and want a refresher, it's a good time to do that. Um, it's a good opportunity to do that too. Yeah. You know, so we'll be offering that. That'll be coming up soon as well. Yeah, and I would, you know, I've now worked through two of Paul's workshops, although I don't necessarily consider myself a beginner at meditation anymore. I still always get something out of I would agree. Out of Paul workshops. So I think it's a great space. And I think the last thing we could tell our listeners about, I think as of September 1st, we might be willing to say this out loud. I seem to recall, Paul, that we sat down and the two of us filed paperwork together. Did we? I think that happened. Cool. What was that paperwork about, Paul? The LLC? I think that's what I'm referring to. What's that about? Uh, this most unbelievable life is now an LLC. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, what can we do uh, to support you and your growth, your self development, your personal growth, whatever your mission is in your life? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, we'd love to be a part of it, and we want to learn from you. Yeah. So I think um, filing the paperwork, I think, gives us uh, some more flexibility to create more spaces and more opportunities. It does. It does. Uh, For people who are walking this journey with us. So uh, we have an LLC. Paul and Sherry have an LLC. Yeah. Um, And if if you want to support that LLC, you can always uh, chip in a few bucks when you... uh, uh, when that becomes something that you can do, but you can do that, right? Uh, we have a Patreon. You can always kind of pitch in a little bit on right? while we're offering some stuff uh, for a little bit of change. That's true. There's always uh, a donate button on our website, mm-hmm. uh, which folks could click. Um, and we we have a couple of different options where people could join in and uh, give a little love towards the work that we do, um, particularly if you've been... Um, been part of the journey and are benefiting from it um what you do uh to support us helps us to keep supporting others like you it's true Mm -hmm. it's true so uh thank you for all your support so far and uh we'll talk to you all soon indeed thanks sherry thanks paul it's been great chat always talk to you soon okay bye bye everybody this podcast is produced by sherry spiegel Paul Fitzgerald and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast, yes. Yes.